Hey everyone, welcome to the Real Life Podcast. Today we are talking with Joe and Nicole Watkins about fostering. And Joe and Nicole found themselves in a season that they never thought they were going to be in. And they are with us today just to share what they've learned in their fostering journey and to give some advice on what it looks like to foster kids and just to give some encouragement for those that may be considering fostering children or may find themselves in a position where they are fostering children. And so let's just go ahead and hear what they've learned today during this season of their life. All right. Well, welcome to the Real Life Podcast today. Today we have Joe and Nicole Watkins with us, and we're going to talk about being foster parents and what that looks like in their life and what God has walked them through in this season of their life. And so welcome, you guys. We're so glad you're here with us today. Um, to start off, why don't you guys just tell us a little bit about your story, who you guys are? Okay. Well, I am Nicole. I'm Joe. And we did not intend to foster kiddos. Um, I am a kindergarten <laughs> teacher, and I had one of the kiddos for a year and a couple months at this point. And the entire first year, I just kept saying to an officer in town, if you ever make a bust, I don't want to see her thrown in foster care. I want to know that she's taken care of. Um, Joe had heard about her many times. I cried many tears over her and her home life. And... In September of 2020, the officer walked down to my room and said, how serious are you? And I said, 100%. And he said, you'll take them both? Because at this point, we actually had not met the other one. I had seen her in passing. Um, I did a home visit during COVID and saw her once, but I didn't know her at all. And then I went to my classroom and I texted Joe from the bathroom and said, <laughs> hey, I'm coming home with two kids tonight. <laughs> And luckily for me, he's very supportive. How did you respond to that, Joe? Whenever, whenever she texted you that, what was what was going through your mind? Um, I mean, it, it's it just felt like the right decision, the right choice. Um, I know, like she said, uh, I know she's talked about it a few times about bringing bringing her home, and um, and she's pretty passionate about her teaching. So it's just something that. It was the right choice, and of course, I texted her back and I said, "I hope they're not as picky eater as you guys are." Because <laughs> were they? Was it a pretty easy, easy transition? Or they, they are a lot better than than Maddie and Nicole. But <laughs> it, 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 there's still some days I want to be like, because uh, that growing up, we just you had to eat what was there, and that's what it was. Or and you know, there, it's not like you got to go to go pick something else. We just really didn't have anything else, so. So it was a pretty easy transition then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were pretty good. <laughs> much like this podcast, he didn't have much choice. <laughs> Very good. So tell me then, you guys have an older daughter, Maddie, and um, how did she handle the transition? Because she had been an only child for many years. Seven years. And so here is an only child, and um, you're bringing two more people into the home. Yeah. So how did Maddie handle that? Um, honestly... Uh, pretty well, um, considering we, well, the first 48 hours, <laughs> Mabel just meowed at us. And that was all that we heard from her. Um, luckily, we are way beyond that now. But um, she had a lot of questions. And I felt like at seven, it was okay to kind of explain those things to her. Um, we just kind of explained it as, you know, right now, 
where she was at wasn't the safest place. And so right now we're just here to love them and give them a safe place so they know they're taken care of. Um, it was a little difficult at seven for friends and family coming over, bringing these girls clothes and toys because they literally came to our house with just what was on their back. Yeah. Um, they didn't even have backpacks at school that day. So literally just the clothes on their back. And so friends and family were dropping off clothes and toys and, you know, just bathroom necessities. And that was kind of hard for her. She was definitely feeling a little jealous, not understanding why they were getting all these new things and she wasn't getting anything. Um, and so it was just, again, a lot of talking that through. And we it was a good time to explain to her, you know, sometimes we say to you, Maddie, you have so many things and there are so many kids that don't have it. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're so lucky and kids don't really necessarily see that. But it was a moment for her to see, no, some kids really don't have all these things. They are here with nothing. Um, I would say it only took her maybe a month to like really adjust and really be okay. And again, she had a lot of questions, but we just kind of talked about if you have questions, it's okay to ask them, but we're going to step aside and not talk about it in front of them yeah. because we wanted them just to feel safe and right. not unwanted. Um, so she was pretty good too about, Hey, I have a question or waiting until they weren't in there mm -hmm. to ask. So let me ask this. How, how did that transition go family wide? Uh, as you go from like three people to five living in the same house, <laughs> how did that go? Did it take some adjusting? Did you have to learn some stuff on the way? How how was it? Did you have to paint new rooms and get? Uh, <laughs> honestly, it's still stuff we're learning. But yeah, I mean, it's just a total adjustment. Um, you know, they were raised they were raised different. If you want to, you know, right. call it that. And there's just some things that we do at our house that you know they don't do there. They do at their house that we don't do. So it's just kind of trying to share space mm -hmm. with basically two two families kind of brought up in different brains. And I mean, me and Nicole, our families are a little bit different too. So I mean, but we we've kind of melded melded together pretty good on that aspect. Mm -hmm. But it was just I think it was just difficult to 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 bring both the families together to for what we're used to. Yeah, and I guess I have a question on that, too, because one of the things that I think of when I think of foster care is, is that system of, you know, you're trying to blend multiple families. How do you find the balance between, okay, that's how you guys operated in your house versus this is how we operate in our house? Is it something that you kind of just figure out as you go? Is it something that you guys had laid out ahead of time? I think we are still learning every day. <laughs> um, I mean, there are times Joe will look at me and say, Nicole, they're not used to that. Or, you know, because I'll find myself like, oh, my gosh, they've been here a year and a half. Why are we still doing this? Mm -hmm. Well, that's because, I mean, yes, a year and a half is a long time. But they also had five or six years of right. what they were used to as their life. And so it's just a lot of reminders. And I just think we're still working on it. And they're still learning our expectations. Um, being Shirley's teacher, it was nice for a while for me to be able to say, my expectations at school are the same expectations mm -hmm. I have at home. You know, you can't do this at school. It's not a choice here either. Um, but yeah, we're definitely still learning <laughs> every day, <laughs> different things. So on top of adding, you know, two additional children into your home, then the Lord Blessed you guys yes. <laughs> with a baby. <laughs> and so how has that transition worked in your home with Maddie and then the two girls and now Theo? Talk to us about what that looks like now. Yeah. Well, 
to back it up even just a little bit, we had two miscarriages and we just kind of felt like, so we had Maddie and then we waited a few years and then started to try to have another and miscarried, had a second one and miscarried. And then, you know, it was definitely feelings of like, oh, why is this happening? You know, while still being positive and walking with the Lord and just knowing he has a bigger plan for us. But it wasn't until after we got the girls that we realized what that bigger plan was. Because like I had told him, if we had a baby or a toddler at home, I don't know if I would have said, yes, I'm going to take them. You know, we would have been extremely busy. And I think that that made a big difference for us. Mm -hmm. And that was just kind of our, okay, now we understand um, why we had those miscarriages because these girls needed us. Um, but with that, we also felt like shortly after we got them, we got pregnant with Theo and here he is. And we just felt like there's blessing and obedience. And here Mm -hmm. it is. Um, I think it's been awesome because they have learned how to be big sisters. I do think in their last home environment that Shirley kind of took care of Maybell and Mm -hmm. maybe helped take care of dad. Or now they're learning they don't have to be the parent, but they can be the big sisters. Yeah. And they love to help with him. They're very hands-on. I think it's been pretty smooth. Yeah, I think, I think you know, I think they've all taken to Theo real well. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all like they're just all brothers and sisters and love each other just the same. And, you know, if he's crying out there, somebody will run out there and, you know, see if there's something they can do. So, I mean, I, th- I feel that I felt like it's coming together the way the way it should, the way a family should operate and and um, and pr- perform. So let's talk about extended family. How did your extended family, you know, what did they think when you were like, guess what? We're bringing two kids home. <laughs> and so tell us what that was like. I pretty much text them the same way I text Joe. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, uh, pray for us. We're coming home with two extra girls today. They need a lot of love. And we're just doing what we feel we've been asked to do. And they were on our doorstep that evening with clothes. And, I mean, we had family in and out that whole first week to provide them with things, to get them a bed set up. They slept on just an air mattress that we had the first couple nights. Um, But then we got a bed back in our home that used to be mine. And got them all set up, and I, they go to Meemaw's house every weekend, just as Maddie has always done. I mean, they Very are cool. just family to all of them as well. They took them in instantly. That's awesome. Yeah. I think uh, anybody that knows Nicole really well, like her family, um, you know, she texted them and told them, hey, here's what we're doing. And um, if you if you kind of give her any any fuss over it, she's, she's just not going to accept it. And so... <laughs> Which is why you're doing the podcast today. So, so I, it, it just goes back to that's what she said she's going to do. If she has her heart set on something, that's what's going to happen. And you could either be there or, or you know, step aside. And so, I mean, like she said, they were all there and supportive and, and you know, n- not, even, not even miss a heartbeat. So let's talk about how this has affected your marriage. Because it obviously has. I mean, you went from a family of three to a family of five. <laughs> now you're yeah. a family of six. Any any ideas on like adopting any pets anytime soon as well? Just <laughs> no, to throw it in the mix too? No, Madison. <laughs> pets are out of the question. <laughs> I was going to say, those girls probably already have brought that up. We have a couple already and Maddie keeps saying we need more. I'm like, no, no. we are done with pets right now. Our house is full. 
Um, I don't know. I think our marriage has become a lot stronger. Um, we definitely had lots of arguing and things before. And it was like once they stepped foot in our house, they're, we're not setting that example for them and really should have never been setting that example for Maddie. But it was just one of those things for them. We just wanted them to feel so safe and yeah. welcome that I feel like I, anyway, Joe doesn't really argue back, which is annoying sometimes, but um, I know, like I found myself watching my tongue a lot more. Like if I was frustrated about something, okay, it's not that big of a deal, really, Nicole. Like just, it's not, not to have that in front of them and just, and again, there's no way I don't, I mean, I could, cause you said if I put my mind to it, but there's no way I would want to try to do all of that on my own. Right. You know, like this is a situation of, uh, we need each other to get through those adjustment times. So okay. I feel like our relation, our marriage has grown a lot. Yeah. Um, I feel the same way. And as far as like, I feel it kind of took, took a lot of deal off of just me and hers marriage and put it on to a family aspect. Um, you know, Maddie, Maddie was a little bit older, so she kind of, and she acts older, so it's easy to kind of take her as a child out of the situation. But then those kids, they, they, they obviously still need parents, and so, and, you know, Maddie does too. But it makes it easier to, to focus around the family as just as far as just me and her um, in our relationship, but there. So it's required a lot of intentionality then, mm-hmm. as far as making sure that your marriage not only just kind of gets through it, but also improves and thrives and sets that example. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we want the girls to see what a family should look like. Right. Um, so that when they're older, they know this is what I should be looking for in a family. This is how I want my family to be and just to work towards those things. Do you think that it's been a hard adjustment for them in talking about family since, you know, they didn't probably necessarily have the best family life until they, you know, came with you? Do you think that it um, has been an adjustment for them seeing what family looks like. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's different for them. I think they are learning again, what a family should look like and no re- seeing, you know, what is quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but just feeling cared for and just simple things like when they first came with us, they ate all the time. And you could just tell they didn't know where their next meal was coming from. Uh-huh. And so it just took them a couple weeks to realize. And the conversation of, there's food here. You don't right. have to Aww. constantly eat. You know, like if you're hungry in a little bit, there's still going to be something here for you. Um, and just those little adjustments. But as far as just fitting into the family, I don't feel like that was a huge chore for them. I feel like it was smooth for them. And I think also kids are so resilient. And at their age, I think it was kind of easy for them to come into a home that had a ton of toys. You know, that's a distraction for a child, you know, and, and honestly, in that situation, they were living in a car by the time we had gotten them. And so for them just to come into a home that had food and had things to play with, then they could bathe every day. And just those things, I think was like a positive transition for them. But I don't feel like it was ever really a struggle. I don't know that. I didn't notice any any transition difficulties for them coming into our home. Um, I feel like it, I feel like they did pretty good with it, and it was pretty easy. And I think basically some of that was not to say anything bad on them, but 
I think there were some situations that they were just oblivious to. So then they're just walking, you know, they don't, they don't even know what's really going on. And so now they have everything they need and why not soak it up and, and, you know, not necessarily take advantage of it, but, but enjoy it. Tell us a little bit about the journey as far as the actual navigation through fostering. I know that a lot of people, (laughs) Joe's shaking his head, no, (laughs) as much as you want, and we don't need anything specific, obviously, but but as as far as people who, who might be considering foster care, I know that there is this bad connotation of working through the system. How how have you guys dealt with some of that stress? Has it been smoother than you thought it has been? And, and again, however much you're wanting to... I would love to say it has been smooth, but it has not been smooth. <laughs> um, we had a really great caseworker, and then she left to go work for another company um, doing the same job, but she just was moving closer to home, and it was a pay upgrade for her, and she was a single mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we had another caseworker who wasn't great, not terrible, just not the best communicator. Um, and maybe we were spoiled with the first one. She just, I never had to ask for an update on court. I never had to ask how visits went. It was just, as soon as it was over, she would shoot me a text or a call and just tell us how everything was going. Mm-hmm. The second one we had, I felt like I had to constantly do the work to get that information. Then we got another one. And unfortunately, she was only there for a couple months. And then she went up, you know, somewhere by Springfield again, doing the same thing, just somewhere else. <laughs> Then we had our fourth caseworker, and this one was awful. I mean, I would tell Joe every Thursday when they had a visit, my blood would boil. Mm -hmm. Every Thursday, I was stressed out all the time. She would say things to the girls she shouldn't be saying. Um, She would put things into the parents' heads. It was awful. However, like Joe said, if I put my mind to something (laughs) and – I think just even just as a teacher, I am always going to advocate for kids, mm-hmm. always. And I think that that's the biggest thing. Has it been an easy journey? No. Are things smoothed out now? 100%. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing to remember if you're trying, if you want to get into the foster thing is just advocate. Mm-hmm. Advocate like you would advocate for your own kids mm-hmm. because that's essentially what it comes down to. It was just, I had reached out to directors about the behavior and that, didn't really change and then we got to the the tipping point for me was at one of the visits the last visit they had she had told the girls you don't have to call them mom and dad they're not your real parents they're your foster parents um and you know we've never told them they had to call us that and that was just the conversation i had with the girls you know you don't have to call us that right Right. we've never told you you have to call Mm. us that and they both were like i know and i mean at this point i am crying tears of frustration we're doing family yoga that night because I needed to just breathe. <laughs> and Maybelle lays back on the carpet, tips her head back, looks up at me and whispers, hi, mom. Aww. And I just cried Aww. like tears of joy because after feeling so angry, that was like the sweet moment that I needed. Like, they're not they're not affected by that. They, to us right now, we are their mom and dad. And if that's what they want to call us, you know, that's what they're going to call us and that's what they're comfortable with. But um that was the point where I ended up just going to the CEO of the company. And I said, I am so sorry. It's come to the point of me reaching out. But we have had mm-hmm. the all of this. You know, I just laid it out. And I said, and then tonight, this visit, and this is what was said to them. And this stuff can't be said to these girls. Right. You know, we're you're just confusing them and making it hard for them. And mm-hmm. we have a new caseworker now. And everything has been smooth sailing now. Great. But again, it just comes down to advocating. For those kids, no one's going to advocate for those kids more than a parent. 
right? What do you what do you think has been the motivation in that advocating? Because um, a lot of people may just think, you know, I just got to run through the paces. What what where's all of that motivation come from for you guys? For me, it's just knowing what's best for the kids. Yeah, it's love for the kids. Then. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I, I'm the same way with my students. I mean, I will fight for my students at school if it's it doesn't matter if the principal doesn't agree or the parent doesn't agree. If I think this is what's best, then I'm going to fight for that. And if there's no, you know, push comes to shove and I lose that battle, I know that I've done everything I can to get them what I think they need. And that is, I mean, really just how I am with these girls. I just want them to have what's best. And, you know, we do love them like they're our own. They are. They've been a part of our family for over a year and a half now. They are our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would fight just as hard for Maddie in a situation and just as hard for Theo. And so for me, it's just loving them. I just want what's best. That is so cool. Thank you for being vulnerable. I'm sure that, were you going to say something, Joe? Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I talk a lot too, and so I don't want to steamroll or anything. <laughs> um as you guys look at your journey, what's been one thing that you you would say, I've learned this and this has been in fostering, this has been one of the most significant, 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 that's not even a word, <laughs> <laughs> <Got it>. significant, <laughs> uh, significant things that you've learned that has carried you through it or one of the things that, you know, I've learned this and now life's been better. What would, if, you, if you can pinpoint one of those moments or a couple of them, what's made life different for you guys in fostering? I I think um, a little bit of going back kind of what I was saying earlier, like people just, and you know, kids too, they're just, they're not raised the same. They don't understand the same. They don't think the same. So a lot of times whenever you, you know, you get somebody that doesn't think the same, you automatically try to just say they're wrong or this or that. But really it comes down to just understanding what they really are thinking, why they are thinking that. And, and if it's, if it's not right, it, if it's if it's skewed a little bit from yours, it doesn't mean it's wrong. You just gotta you know make sure that you're still falling within the lines of of what is right. And so I th- I, th- I think it just goes down to just reading people better and you know paying attention to to what what's going on in their head. I agree with that. Um, it's easy to look at these kids and think like, well, that's not how I want you to behave. So I'm gonna mold you into our, how I want you to be. But it's all, it's not just that it's us molding ourselves to fit what they need. Um, because like I said, sometimes it is hard for me when I'm like, well, Maddie does this and they're not Maddie, you know, they were raised in a totally different environment. They're not ever going to be Maddie and that's okay. But sometimes I have to remind myself that that's okay. And sometimes Joe has to remind me (laughs) that that's okay. (laughs) You know, that my expectations for them aren't always fair because it's not what they're capable of. And so I think... It's just a growing experience. But again, I think just what pushes through is just loving them. Mm-hmm. So does it take a special kind of person to foster? Like who's qualified to foster? I think if you love kids and you just want to make the world a better place and you want to help others, then you can foster. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just have to have the heart for kids. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, I think you need to have like a little bit of an open mindset, just kind of to be able to take take it all in. Because if you're not, you know, if you're not open to everything that's possibly going to happen, then you know you you could be going down the wrong path. You know, we we can't say that these girls are going to be with us forever. I mean, that's something we'd like to, 
but also um we we want them we want their 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 family their their parents to also just start making the right decisions mm-hmm. that makes it tough right and I think this kind of opens the door because one of the things I think we forgot to ask you was why the fostering. Um, and, you know, I, I think that it kind of is evident from how you guys have spoken about the girls and how you've spoken about this this battle or this this whole process. But as you reflect on it, what was that initial decision that said, yeah, we're going to foster these girls? <laughs> I think just, again, I know ours is circumstantial and not every case is this way, but just seeing Shirley's life for the first year that I had her, I mean... They were in a house fire. Their house literally blew up. She lived in a hotel for months. Um, I knew that dad was using. And just, I think just having that heart for her in her situation already and knowing her, I think made my attachment. I mean, with any mm-hmm. student. But I know that that's unique to us is just knowing their situation ahead of time. I mean, I taught summer school and Shirley didn't show up the first couple days. And the day she did show up, I sent Joe a picture and I was like, she's here today. And he came home from work and he's like, all right, what closet did you stick her in? I know you brought her home. (laughs) I mean, so I'm sure it wasn't a total surprise that I eventually did bring them home. (laughs) But I think just for me, it was just having already the background knowledge of where they were at. And I just, I loved her enough that I wanted to still be able to see her at school and have an eye on her and know that she was okay and that she wasn't, I shouldn't say just thrown in foster care because obviously mm. now we're doing that and yes. <laughs> we know what's happening at our house. But that was how I felt at the time was just, I didn't want to ju- her just thrown somewhere where I didn't know she was okay. Mm. Uh, I always give Nicole crap about saying like, you know, Cause Shirley's Shirley's a not duck, you know, nothing wrong with you know. But I always say somewhere somebody loved this girl enough to bring her home. It just because some days it's just it's it's tough with her, but um, she has a good heart and she means well. And um, I th- I think our family was missing something, mm-hmm. and um, so it was kind of a kind of a no brainer. We when you know just yeah, let's do it. So. I think I've, I've heard a, a couple of times that you've said, you know, that you've identified that they're different than you. Mm-hmm. Like they've been raised in a different environment than you. So what would you say to someone who maybe is in the middle of fostering as well and they're like, and they can't wrap their mind around these children being from a different environment and not fitting the mold of their home? What, mm-hmm. what could you say to encourage someone you know, to say, hey, it's okay, acknowledge, you know, recognize these differences. And But what would you guys say to somebody that just needed that piece of encouragement? Just push through. Um, I mean, again, they have, we're totally raised in a different environment. And I think that that's one of the things too, is just getting to know those kids, you're going to start to understand why they are the way they are. Um, with Shirley, we feel that she just doesn't know who she is yet. Mm. Maybell knows who she is. She's confident in herself. Shirley is still trying to figure out who she is. So a lot of things that she does is copying, you know, other things that she sees and hears. And sometimes I'm like, wow, ah, just be your own person. <laughs> um, but I don't think she knows who she is. And I think that that comes from her being a six-year-old child who was taking care of her dad, right. you know, and just also taking care of her sister. And so I think that she feels lost because she was in a role of 
being responsible and having to do those things. And now she's in a role of she doesn't have to do those things. So sometimes she, you know, we find that she's like, quote unquote, in the way. She's doing things she doesn't need to be doing. Well, no, because she's trying to be helpful. Mm-hmm. She thinks that these things are helpful because that's what she's done for so long. Um, so I would just say, I mean, we wouldn't change it at all. We wouldn't go back and change it. I feel like our family is complete now. But there are tough days. And I say just, I just think you just have to kind of sit back and really think about where they came from and remember the reason that you're fostering, the reason that you're choosing to do it is to make a difference for them. And then, uh, I mean, I can honestly just say in one word, patience. (laughs) um, Sometimes I need more patience. Sometimes I have a little too much patience, but I just find that fine line of patience. Absolutely. Um, Just to kind of wrap it all up, one more question. What would you say to a couple who maybe have talked about fostering or they've they've thought that maybe they ought to do it, but they're kind of on the fence. What what encouragement, what advice would you give them? What direction would you give them? I would say just do it (laughs) because you're going to find how full your heart can be when you don't think it can. You know, we had Maddie and it was like, oh, our hearts are full. Mm -hmm. No, it wasn't. (laughs) They weren't. We took these girls in and I just, just do it. I mean, if you're thinking about it, you're already a step ahead of most people. And so just jump in and do it. I mean, our lives are so much more full. I think that as well. I mean, if you're already in that far of a thought process, it's it's probably something that you, you need to continue continue going down the line and seeing what what's next. Okay, what do I do next? And, and just see... Because you obviously have the the love and the care to to try to embrace more people into your family and um, yeah, I mean if you're doing if you're going that far, then you you're right, you're just right there on the door. Knock on the door. Well, Joe and Nicole, we thank you so much for you know sharing your time with us today, and we've um, been able to walk with you guys over the last couple of years and and grow with your family. And we're just so excited to see what the Lord continues to do in your family and how he continues to, you know, take you down a path that you necessarily weren't prepared for. Mm-hmm. And yet the Lord said, do it. And you were obedient. And, you know, you said blessing comes from obedience and you've seen the blessing, you know, from the Lord. And so um, we're just excited for you and your family. And we thank you guys for sharing this time with us. And thanks. Thank you. That was so awkward. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on the Real Life Podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please remember to subscribe to stay up to date on every new episode and announcement. If you have any questions, comments, or you want to suggest a new topic for future shows, please email us at reallife at visitlife.org.